Welcome to episode 68 of the Becoming Human podcast. In this episode, I sit down with Marcelo Cohen. He is a black belt under Marcelo Supparito. Cohen is an IBJJF Pan American and American National Champion. Cohen is also a grappling instructor at the Armory, a Florida-based MMA academy. Cohen grew up in Brazil, where he would practice judo as a child. He eventually transitioned to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and moved to America. I was fascinated to listen to what it was like to live in Brazil and the cultural differences once he's moved to America. Cohen was a joy to talk to. I was happy to be able to pry at his years of experience and to understand things from his perspective. Without any further ado, here's Marcelo Cohen. How did you get into Jiu-Jitsu? Um, I started training jiu-jitsu. Uh, actually, I started with judo. My dad mm-hmm. is a black belt uh, in judo. And then I moved on to jiu-jitsu at 16. My mm-hmm. uh, my uncle is a black belt in BJJ. He's a black belt at Carson Gracie School in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And then he brought me to jiu-jitsu. And so that's how I started, so, 16 years old. So when you were a kid, was uh, a lot of your family just participating in martial arts? Was it a regular thing for kids to do? Uh, Yes, just my daddy and my uncle. They were the mm-hmm. only ones that, in my family that did. So it was kind of always part of my life somehow. Mm. So that's mm. how I started. My uncle brought me up, and then I started uh, my first school. It, which, and what was your relationship to uh, martial arts in that way? Was it, like, a very serious thing, or was it an extracurricular activity for a kid to do? No, it's definitely an extracurricular uh, activity. I never thought uh, about martial arts as a profession that time. So it's more like it's something that you do as a, as a routine. You go to school mm-hmm. and then... Go home, do your homework, and then you go to judo or you go to jiu-jitsu later on. But it was always part of my life, but not so and, serious. And were you always uh, very uh, ambitious and focused um, in your practice of judo and jiu-jitsu? No, I was just doing as a hobby, as a something that I want to learn, something that was just brought up to me and just, like I said, the routine. And then I just started to get focused when I moved to United States, and I saw there's a lot of opportunities in Jiu-Jitsu here. So that's when I started uh, really funneling and get more focused. What made you want to move to the United States? I got family here. My mom's been here for over 30 years. Oh, wow. And so I came visit her, and then... A few times, and then I, I make the move. Was there any kind of culture shock when you were moving to the United States? Uh, a little bit, but I feel like I can't adapt myself to anywhere I go. Because mm-hmm. if I move to the United States, I try to associate myself to Americans as much, much as possible so I can assimilate the culture. I think that can go for any kind of country you move. If I move to Italy, I'm going to try to have a relationship with the Italians so I can assimilate the culture and be a part of it. 
So that was my thought when I moved here. I started making American friends and stay around them and learning the language and learning the culture. So it, it was pretty uh pretty natural to me. Mm-hmm. Was there um, any cultural values that you took away from Brazil that you found useful? Um... Yes. Uh, I don't know if you know I'm Jewish. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? So, yes, I'm Jewish. So my family in Brazil, uh, they have a very uh, Jewish values. They value everybody sit on the table every day, have dinner together, and they value education. So they send me to Jewish private schools, which I, I learn English, and I have a great uh, education in family values. So I feel like being a Brazilian Jew was important in this aspect, and I brought this over here. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, that that value that was put on learning, how has it helped you in jujitsu and just life in general as an adult? It was more in terms of general culture. Mm-hmm. My my grandparents uh, always make sure that I read books. They they make sure that they tell me that study was very important to me. Mm-hmm. It just helped me build the relationships when I came here. Mm. I, I had the education and I know how to behave myself because that, and then just it just makes it easier for when you when you somebody visits your home. You you know like just know how to behave and just not be a wild Brazilian you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> do you know what I'm saying <laughs> yeah I, I know exactly what you're saying um, because I haven't met many uh, many people who who have come from Brazil however I do know some subsects of culture in America that I've met where they're just buck wild all their lives and that served somewhat of a purpose but there were some caveats to that uh, left unchecked. Yes, and one thing I noticed one day that my grandpa taught me and told me like one thing I noticed. He told me once, you never clap after a national anthem. It's rude. And I was like, no. He's like, yes. And then one one day I was here in America and they played the national anthem. And then I I, I think the American anthem is beautiful. And then I Mm -hmm. noticed after the anthem, People like to stand up before and everything is awesome. But I noticed that everybody did the right thing, but at the end they clap. And I was mm. thinking about what my grandpad said, and I Google, and he was right. Hmm. Well, why did that? Why? It's just mm-hmm. etiquette. It's rude. It's rude. Clap after mm. national anthem. If you Google that, just go right away. First one. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> So that that kind of of thing that he taught me, that little things like these, you know, and just general culture. Just from the the short exchanges that we had um, prior to hopping on the podcast, I was even able to notice that in in the way that you communicate, you're um, very humble and very inviting. So it makes people feel very comfortable to speak with you. Uh, Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, and there's something to be said for that because, I mean, I'm sure as you know, as you meet people who you admire in training, right, those people are more likely to gravitate towards you 
if you're uh, more friendly or you're more inviting. Oh, uh, thank you, thank you. I just uh, myself, I guess. I just myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that's like that's the thing that I've uh, learned in jujitsu, among other disciplines, is is that it's instead of trying to like you know build up who we are, it seems like we're just learning to get out of our own way as we go. Yes, and plus. As a black belt, you, you needed to have some standards in terms of uh, how you talk with people and everything. Mm. You, how long you been training jiu-jitsu? I've been training jiu-jitsu for about two years now. So you are blue belt? Yes, I'm a blue belt. Okay. You, you, where are you training at? I train at uh, Livewire MMA uh, just north of Seattle, Washington. Okay, cool. And how did you uh, find out about me? Um, I found out about you because I was going through um, some YouTube videos, uh, looking at techniques, and just doing some research on uh, competitors that I wanted to do case studies of, uh, meaning just just looking at how that person, um, what their approach to jiu-jitsu was, given uh, where they've gotten. And not just like black belts uh, or competition, just their style of jujitsu. Because the thing that I'm afraid of is, um, I'm not so much anymore, but you know, when people start things and it's really hard to be consistent and to actually follow through and like, let's say get a black belt or not even that, it's just try to be really good at something without giving up on it. Mm-hmm. And so I would look to people like you and I would try to understand um, what their mindset was, even if I was just reading articles, for instance, or watching their competitions, because I really want to be like that. Um, not for the accolades. I just want to uh, master something. I, I want to know the nuances, yes. you know? I mean, you never master jiu-jitsu completely. You never. Mm-hmm. Even when you feel like you get your black belt and you've been studying for so long, you're always going to feel like you're not mastering the art. And so it's always a pursuit of learning. So the, what is it, what do you get out of jiu-jitsu now that you do have your black belt? Is it that pursuit of learning and always having things to grow? I got everything. I got everything. Mm-hmm. Friends. Uh, everything I always wanted. Like I have a gym. I have friends. I do that for a living, which Mm-hmm. which is the harder part. I think it took a long time to be able to get to this point, to be able mm-hmm. to provide yourself food and that kind of stuff, just training and teaching, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's always a challenge, you know? It's always mm-hmm. a challenge. That's what I like about it. Yeah, that's that's the thing I've noticed as well is that uh, as a child, I used to want to be uh, happy. I dreamed of, like, you know, chilling on a beach, sipping margaritas or something of that sort. And then I realized that that's not really happiness. That's, like, uh, that's just complacency. I, the feeling of challenge and discomfort, um, that's where all the excitement lies. Mm-hmm. And you're just easy that you was. Mm-hmm. You always feel like you can learn more and get better. And it's an interesting thing as opposed to getting stronger. It's more becoming more efficient and being able to exercise ease. Yeah, then give you goals, 
is a reason for you to keep yourself healthy. You uh, mm -hmm. select the food that you eat. You know, if you don't eat well, you're not going to have a good training. So it's a good way to balance and keep your uh, good discipline for yourself also. And what kind of um, eating disciplines do you follow? When I, when I, uh, cutting weight for a tournament, then it's a strict diet, like mm. salad and protein, chicken. And mm -hmm. I, as I train, I control my weight and see how much I'm going to eat. And when I'm not in a diet, it's more abundance in terms of, uh, I let myself have some candy sometimes. But yeah, I always like to have a solid breakfast, solid lunch, and a solid dinner. So mm. this, this is always good, like a solid meal. Mm -hmm. When you're approaching um, working on a new system or a new flow of technique, mm -hmm. how, how do you go about setting the goals? Like, what does that look like? I know... Like, I give you, for example, the Kimura system. Mm -hmm. I never, nobody, somebody told me or taught me the Kimura, of course, but I feel like the Kimura is something that naturally I gravitated towards that position. So I learned mm -hmm. the basics from my teachers and from other teachers, and I developed my own style of it. It's a great, uh, it's a great move. Because make the, when you lock a Kimura on someone, you can take your time to finish it. And you can use that lock not just to finish it, but you can use it also to gain better positions. Mm. So just experience locking and see and looking at other people's, uh, that do Kimura also, other videos of other instructors that they use the Kimura and then making my own point of view of the Kimura system. Mm. So just something that happens naturally as you go in live, as you train more and more, mm -hmm. you adapt it to, to people's reaction. Mm. As, as if you were to uh, define uh, a type of flow that you're obsessing over, let's say Kimura, and then you personalize it and make it your own as opposed to trying to learn all these different kinds of submissions. You just focus on these one submission and how to get there i'm be, i'm very open like when i visit my friend's gym and i train around i love mm -hmm. it to be a student and i like to learn positions that i don't use it just for general knowledge because i know mm -hmm. that is important so when i go to a friend today i train uh with two good guys and they're very good in darcy chokes something that i never do but I like it that the class was all drilling dark strokes because even though it's something that I don't use it, they do. And then the fact mm -hmm. that drilling something that I never use it makes me better because not just to people going to use on me and I understand the mechanics and I'll be able also to pass it on to other people. I cannot just teach just Kimuras. Kimura works mm -hmm. for me. Maybe the guillotine is going to work for you. And I got to have general knowledge to teach you how to do a proper basic guillotine. Mm. So I like it to drill everything. But of course, mm -hmm. the tournament coming up, something's close. I start to funnel more in, in, in what I'm going to use into a fight. Mm. You hyper-focus in that sense. 
Yes. And so I'm open you, to to do everything, leg locks, anything. Have you always had that approach, or were there times where um, you were afraid or frustrated to try new things? Um, since I moved to the armory, I I had to deal with a lot of different fighters. Mm -hmm. So that kept. I just one and one day I just put my mindset that I I don't care anymore. I'm just gonna train with everybody. I'm gonna try everything. I'm not going to be so hard on myself. Mm. Um, on those days that you are hard on yourself or your hardest moments, what is the uh, the self-talk or the things that go through your head to pull yourself out of those moments? When I have a bad day in training, mm -hmm. I just think in the, a bad day in training is better than don't train at all. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> right? A bad, bad mm -hmm. day is better than don't come and don't do nothing. At least you had a good uh, sweat, you did some exercise. And if mm -hmm. I have a bad day in the competition, I try to come back and reevaluate how I can, can get better, you know, and learn it from a loss. What's your reevaluation process um, when you come out of a competition? Do you record your competitions or take notes? Uh, I Usually people record. And mm -hmm. I take a look after, but just in the fight, there's a tournament that I, that I did really bad just a little while ago. And uh, and I come back to my gym and I train the mistakes I did, and I try mm -hmm. to, to improve that way. So, and that that's how I see. Mm -hmm. And I try to to make specific training for positions that I that I made a mistake. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I imagine that that's helpful in life. Period. Because I mean, we make mistakes in just our daily lives, and working that muscle of okay, it's failure. Don't take failure personal. We just got to work through this. Must translate to your daily life and like relationships and stuff. Am I right? Yes, you're right. There are so many times there before that I like turned down by sponsors, and I never let that stop me to try to pursue more sponsors, to try contact the companies, to try making phone calls. Not because somebody say no to you and you didn't get it, it's gonna it's gonna be mean that oh I'm not gonna message nobody else and not trying no more. <laughs> that that could apply for for a life, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a mm. times that I call a sponsor. There's a times I call sponsors. They say no. I go back, call another one, another one until somebody say yes. And then I get it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that too. Play the numbers game. Gotta play the numbers game sometimes. <laughs> if everything is odds, right? One in a thousand, one in one hundred. Yeah, if you just hit it with volume, you're bound to get something out of it. Yep, and then it works for me. Because I'm not, I'm not like Bushesh or somebody that the company is gonna approach you. I, everything I have, I had to, to go after. Mm -hmm. I think there's something to be said for everyone in in that scenario because I mean we're not all we don't all have green lights through life. Sometimes you know there's obstacles in our way, and I think just taking it by the reins and just making the best out of it. There's something to be said for that. Um, I yeah. interviewed yeah. this author. 
author. He was a, a best-selling author for kids' books. He's uh, uh, Ben Michelson. He wrote a book like Touching Spirit Bear. It's a great book. Um, and he was, uh, when he was putting his first book in, right, it was called Rescue Josh McGuire. I think he submitted it to over 40 publishers, and he got turned down. But he never stopped, and eventually it became a bestseller. Exactly. That's what happened actually with my new uh, DVD also. I contacted the company. But when you contact those companies, you got to get give them a game plan. You got to have mm -hmm. everything organized. You know, you don't cannot just message them, hey, are you interested on this? That, that you know, that's not professional. You need to be professional. So I actually have it, uh, a secretary that helps me out and write things for me. So it, it looks like I put my idea together to to someone and they and they build it like a ghost writer. Mm. Mm -hmm. So so that that's what it is. I, that's important to you know because my English is not my 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 main language, but I I, I work with people that actually a publisher that helps me out. Mm -hmm. yeah, putting my ideas together, and if if I have an interview and something should be written, I, I work with them, and then then when they submit it, it looks really good. Mm. So well, did you think, you know? Yeah, and that that's very smart. Did you always um, do that, or were you trying to do it yourself, and then um, you changed your strategy down the line? I I started to do that a couple of years ago. Mm. What made you come to that realization? Just the, uh, I started with Facebook before I didn't have too much Instagram. So sometimes I need to, to post something. And my secretary helped me out. And then she put it together, a, a nice te uh, text. And that's how I start now. Whenever I need to message a company back and forth, they set up the the writing for me mm. in a way that looks very professional. Um, I have a, I was just asking because I have a tendency to to try to do everything myself, and sometimes that's not to my best advantage. <laughs> but sometimes I do myself too, mm -hmm. but it's easier to have somebody there. I'm just fortunate to have somebody that actually was uh, on my side there, was a publisher for Muscle Fitness Magazine, mm -hmm. and also uh, a secretary that very well spoken. So I have those two good people on my side. They always help me out if I need to contact someone. And there's definitely something to be said for um – for having people be a part of, of whatever it is that you're pursuing, because as in jujitsu, with that community aspect to it, I imagine having other people around in, in these other things uh, is helpful and creates some sort of community and builds momentum behind you. No, for sure, for sure, especially if you're trying to make a, this as a living profession, you know. Mm -hmm. Unless, unless, like I said, you're like a Roger Gracie, you don't need to do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, which is not the case. Mm -hmm. You know, which is not the case. I'm I'm always trying to to find ways that I can do a little bit better here, a little bit better there. So it's it's, hard, it's always work, hard work for me, not on the mats but off the mats too. Mm hmm. 
Um, what what aspects of your life do you find most exciting these days? Most exciting? Yes. I'll say right now is the competition the most exciting part. What what aspect of the competition? Is it the idea of winning or an insurmountable challenge? Is the, the the adrenaline of uh, the prior adrenaline of competing, the moments mm-hmm. before, is really intense mm-hmm. for me. The focus that you gotta get before you get into a match, an important match. You know, I prepare myself mentally to to that point. So like the, when you are are ready, you're gonna be up next. You know. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's the uh, best feeling. That I, I like. I've never experienced that in, until I had my first uh, kickboxing match, and then subsequent grappling matches. And that feeling of being alive is, is uh, there's not very many things that come close to that. And I, I like uh, it. I feel like exciting to compete against people there. When I started jujitsu, I look up to these people. They are already black belts, mm-hmm. and then. Now I see myself compete against them. This is pretty, uh, I feel like it's a blessing, you know? Mm, oh, yeah. Mm. Um, what kind of mental preparation do you like to do before tournaments? Just, uh, I start to know that I'm going to fight, that I'm going to compete. Mm-hmm. Just the knowing. There's not exactly mental preparation, but just knowing that it's coming, it's coming, fight's coming. So that mm. that gets me ready well. Is it always excitement that you experience, or are there times where you experience anxiety or worry? It's a kind of a mix of everything: anxiety, worrying, <laughs> excitement. Mm-hmm. Mm. I feel like it's important to not be so relaxed. You gotta be with the reflex really, you know, well. I don't like to get out to be so relaxed before a match. Mm-hmm. Experience that, yeah. And have you had to uh, experiment with different, like, um, different ways of thinking about your match before it happened to find the right balance? Yes, I think about game plan. I think about mm-hmm. uh, about two two couple game plans for one match. If it goes according to my to the way I wanna, that's how I I, I think uh, uh, this is gonna have to be this, and and I try to put in my game plan to work. That's what I think when I go. So you you like to practice visualization? I find that very helpful myself. Yes, it's very helpful in in, in visualizing also you winning the match. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the whole thing becoming a reality. I think it's have you helpful. have you gotten better at that ability as you've um, at the more that you've competed, or does it stay relatively the same? Your ability to visualize that is. No, I got better. More that I'm mm. competing, more more time. Not just competing, but more time I spend in jujitsu, training with people, mm-hmm. and just experience for all those years. Um, I'm curious what you think about this, but I've experienced a weird sensation that the more that I've understood body mechanics through rolling, 
the easier that it is to think in my mind several steps ahead in greater and greater detail, the better that I get. Is that true for you? If you're thinking about the steps of your match? Uh, the steps of my match, or let's say I'm like rolling with someone, and then I'm, I can feel that they're about to set up for an arm bar, and I can quickly uh, imagine in great detail um, what's possibly about to happen. And the better that I get, I'm able to imagine it better. I never thought of that, but I think it's pretty interesting. I might give it a try mm -hmm. about the body mm -hmm. mechanics. Yeah. That's pretty interesting, man. Uh, actually, see, I learned something from you now. <laughs> I'm going to try thinking about a little bit what you said. No, thanks, man. And, yeah, I'd love to hear how it goes for you, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it's gonna break, so, but if I turn it that way, it's not gonna break. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then there's, because there's guys that I've talked to, right, where they um they know that their opponent is about to is about to counter one of their moves, right? But probably yeah. within seconds, they're like they're already three possible counters ahead. Mhm. Mm and like, at least when I first started. Um, I could barely even manage to think of what the next counter would be as opposed to, you know, several counters down the line. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but so, so that comes yeah. with body experience. Mm. Just there's body experience. That's something that your teacher is never going to teach you. Nobody's going to teach you but the mats, but mm -hmm. rolling on the mats, but experience on the mats. You're going to learn it on your own by experience. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's what I'm finding out as well, because I'll do cross-training, and cross-training doesn't necessarily, like, it helps me, but then I'll have friends where they've spent all the time that I spent cross-training rolling, and you can tell that that experience on the mat has helped them leaps and bounds in that regard. Yeah, it's for sure. It's very important. <laughs> and so what's your relationship with uh, with competitors? So. Just to explain it a little bit, from the outside, uh, specifically MMA, but also in jiu-jitsu, I would talk to people about, you know, competing and stuff and my interest in jiu-jitsu. And an outsider's point of view is like, um, whoa, that, that's really uh, aggressive. Like, they couldn't imagine that the competitor would be one of my close friends. They think we would walk away, you know, uh, hating each other or being rude to each other. But what is the relationship with your competitors? Do you get closer to them after a match? Or? Actually, I had a great experience when I competed uh, in Guatemala. It was uh, the GT Open. And that was uh, the first time that all the competitors got really close to each other. And that was awesome, man. Everybody competed against each other. Then everybody went out to eat together. And then everybody is just, uh, if a good person is a good person, you know, don't matter. It's just business. Competition mm -hmm. is just business. And plus, I'm not punching nobody in the face. So I I, mm -hmm. I, I never fought MMA, so I cannot mm -hmm. tell how I, I I feel about it. But I can tell about Jiu-Jitsu. I never take it personal. It's just competition, winning or lose. You know, you don't know the person. You, you probably is a good person, you know. So I don't get that angry feeling mm -hmm. towards my competitor. Of course, I don't talk too much prior I stay on my side, but, you know, after it's done, it's done. It's just jiu-jitsu, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. He's just trying to win, and he's just trying to win. Yeah, it's nothing personal. No, but mm-hmm. MMA, I don't know because then you're trying to hurt somebody, you know. Yeah, the, that that's something that that I did struggle with because um, I originally I was going for full MMA um, and I was doing like kickboxing, smokers, and then uh, grappling, and it, it's difficult for me because I'm I guess I'm a little softer. Uh, it's really hard. I, for some reason, that makes me feel embarrassed. But um, when I'd walk away, like, it would be hard to conceptualize, like, I want to literally beat this person into the ground. Because, like, that guy's really nice. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it is just business. But, like, if I knock the guy out and then he gets uh, – he loses his memory because, like, that, that, that was a hard thing for me to contend with. But with jiu-jitsu, it was a little different because, I mean, we both kind of walk away. Yes. Uh, yes, I think in jiu-jitsu it will be very different. The guy in MMA try opening a gash on your face, you know? Yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> jiu-jitsu no. just trying to beat the person, the person you tap. Mm-hmm. You know, tapping is over. It's on your own power to stop the fight. Mm, yeah. So, and that's something that's different. Brought, brought me closer to, to my training partners and people and stuff like that because, dude, you I, you have to have such a level of trust with someone so that when you tap that they will stop. And everyone does, but. Everyone does. There's judges, you know. And mm-hmm. I feel like as an instructor, you, you, you cannot tolerate it. Somebody hold a submission, you know. Yeah. That, that I never actually experienced there really in my gym. Somebody trying to hold a submission purpose or yeah, you know. and neither have I. Even like the guy who uh, like um, someone who you'd be walking in on the streets and they're like they're large and they look intimidating. Uh, well, I'll be rolling with them and they're like the nicest people that I met. And then when you're like in a heated uh, grappling match, they still have your 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 life in their hands and they're always right there. Like if something's going wrong they're it's always over, man. the guy tapped yeah. the guy tapped he, he he quit. The nose done. You you mm-hmm. won. That's it. You done, and, he's done, the nose he tapped, he's over. And also if to, you're all you're also incentivized too because if you know if you were to hurt your training partner, you don't have training partners. So it's like everyone's always looking okay. out for each other. Yes, you need training partners and uh you cannot let it get get that way. This is this is toxic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so, do you uh, do you have uh, a, do you teach kids jujitsu at all? Yeah, I teach kids jujitsu. I have a big kids program here at the Armory, and uh, it's great. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things to do is is teach them. Oh, really? What do you like about kids' jiu-jitsu most? I feel like they they listen. Mm-hmm. Like if you coach a kid at the tournament and you say, do this, they're not going to think about twice. They're just going to listen to you and do it. If you mm-hmm. coach an adult and you say, open the guard and get on top, they might hesitate a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Kids don't get yeah. into the instruction. They just do it. Do this, they uh-huh. do it. Get on top, they'll get it. 
mm-hmm. I, I don't mind hesitating a little bit, you know. So that's uh, one of the things that that is good too about the kids. And that's so cool, man. And I and I I agree. I see that because I, I assist uh, with the kids classes, um, and, mm-hmm. and you just see the fire in those little kids' eyes, and it, it's. It's so inspiring for me because, you know, I, I, was, I made a lot of poor choices, but these kids, they, they have something, you know? And they're very courageous. They have courage mm-hmm. to go uh, more than adults, I feel like, when mm-hmm. they compete. They have a lot of courage, you know? You yeah. tell them it's very hard. You guys doing something that a lot of adults care to do, mm-hmm. which is get out there and compete in front of everybody. You know, they they so winning or losing, they should be proud of themselves just for that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I, so that's I when can, you get out there. It's cool to be able to. Uh, I have my son; he does jujitsu as well. He's about six, and he did his first tournament um, this year. And that was something that that was really cool to be able to talk to somebody about that. Because you know, as adults, sometimes we don't. Uh, talk about like her fears or whatever. It's easy to bury it down, but with a kid, like it's just right there, all out. Yep, and that's hard. Imagine if for for us, it's hard. Imagine for a little kid. Mhm. You know. Oh yeah. That requires a lot of courage, man. They see all these people screaming and yelling, and they still gotta go. You know, so I give them a lot of credit for that. Mhm. Yeah. Absolutely, I, I do as well. Do you, have you ever had a uh, a, a child who was uh, going to compete um, and that the, they were really nervous? And have you ever had to talk them through it? They are, uh, usually sometimes they get nervous, but once they dare, they go. Mm-hmm. That, that's the part I like about them. They mm-hmm. just go. They just go. You know, go. <laughs> yes. Go to the camp and go. Mm. Don't think uh, too much. Yeah, they don't. That, especially as a severe overthinker such as myself. I mean, that that is something to admire. Yes. <laughs> how how many um, pounds is your little kid? Is little? My yeah, he's little. He's looking at about uh, forty pounds. Oh, uh, what term he did? Huh? What, what what competition that that he he did? Uh, he did uh, a proving grounds. It's a submission only competition out of uh, Seattle. For kids, submission only. Yeah, for kids. <laughs> That's pretty intense, huh? Yeah, it, it was. He got moved up to a weight class to fifty pounds because he was the only one of his weight. Yep. And it was, and I was like, oh. And then for what was going on inside of my head is, I'm like. Oh my gosh, that's like that's really intimidating. Like I was over, like you know, thinking really into it. Didn't say anything to him. I was just asking him. So you know, you got moved up into this weight class. These people are, uh, you know, a little bit bigger than you. How do you feel? He's like, I'm really excited, Dad. Good. That's <laughs> awesome. Great tactic to it, huh? Yeah. Just like you're saying, man. Just kids have a profound sense of courage, at least the capacity. Yeah. <laughs> yep, and that's that's what you it's like you said. You gotta give credit for them to to be that way, because maybe yeah. when they become adults, they're gonna help them a lot. You know, with everything mm-hmm. in life. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, and that, I completely agree. Like, there'd be someone just like yourself, right, or a, a role model, and and the such. 
Uh, thank you, man. Thank you. I'm not perfect, yeah. you know. I, I I have a lot of stuff I, uh, I need to improve on my own. So that's the thing that, that, that I think I admire, and I think that's the understanding that we have. Uh, like what you said before, the only way for you to get really, you know, good or to progress, right, is to look at where you need to grow and be honest with yourself. And I think, like, it's just having that understanding of where your faults are. So if you lose the tournament, right, instead of, I bet, as you go along, you get less likely to be wrapped up in ego and just get on with the, the growth, get on with the learning. At this point, I don't even care about anymore. You know, I just mm. want to get out there, try my best to win. I lose. It is what it is. I know I try to yeah. compete against the best people I can go, you know. Mm-hmm. So, mm. at this point, oh. I, I, I did, a few years ago, I was a little bit different thought, mindset. But when you start to change your mindset and don't care no more, just try win and do your best and challenge yourself against the good people, that's when uh, when you score a good win, you know, that's when everything changes. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I was, uh, before I go to EBI in Mexico, mm-hmm. I, I hurt my foot, and I almost did not go. Almost. I went there, and I hit a highlight submission move. I'm so thankful that that I made the right decision because after this, a lot of doors open for me in jiu-jitsu. Mm. So you never know. You know, you just got to throw yourself out there. Sometimes you're going to score the jackpot. Sometimes you're not. But when you mm-hmm. do, big, big wins, you know? <laughs> mm. well, if you were to distill it, I know it's so hard because so many things add up. What was the thing that's helped you the most to be successful in, in jiu-jitsu? Have a good instructor, a legit uh, black belt that gives you a good foundation. You cannot be mm. good in jiu-jitsu if you don't have basics. Okay. Basically on everything, let's say you are a leg locker. It's very important mm-hmm. to somebody that teach you the basics of a leg lock. Mm. First, how to do a ankle lock and start with the basics before you go to the fancy moves. That's why I think it was important for me. Mm-hmm. And I just give you an example, you know, it could be anything, you know. Mm, that makes of, sense. Uh, to have a basics of arm, arm bar, a basic arm bar. Know to know a solid basic kikimura. Know how to know a solid basic triangle. And then you can move on to learn better things. But you need to lay a, a solid base of positions. Mm, yes. And do you ever have the tendency to, uh, or at least, yeah, did you have the tendency to skip basics? And did you have to remind yourself to? Um... I always drew basics. I always drew basics, too. Okay. Always. Always. When I feel like, I sometimes you might feel like, I don't know what should I do. I go back to basics. They never let you down. You see Roger mm-hmm. Gracie, you know? That's a great mm-hmm. example. Yeah, exactly. And there's, like, uh, the Book of Five Rings by Masashi um, is a good example of that because um, he speaks on strategy a lot. And the whole idea of it's not necessarily about the moves that you do know, it's just about strategy. Like, you can get away with, you know, a small handful of moves, but if you know how to counter, 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 you can find your way into that submission. Yep. 
So I think that will be a very important uh, step in learning the basics. So I think that was very important for me. But like I said, I feel like I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Like, but there's so many people much better than me, way ahead mm-hmm. than me, you know? So I'm just there trying to keep my head above the water, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think having that eyes wide open approach, um, you always leave the room for growth. And by the sounds of it, it's the most exciting thing. <laughs> and I'm 35 years old. You know, we make it, I feel like it, that's what I like, the challenge. I master two competing in the adult division, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I know that the, there's always a good challenge, you know? Five mm-hmm. young guys, new upcoming yeah. guys, 25 years old guys. That keep you young, keep you young, you know? Mm-hmm. So I like that. I like that, too. You're, um... You're really helping me consolidate uh, why I do these things. I, sometimes I, I found myself doing jujitsu out of interest, and then I started obsessing, and I never really understood why. But talking to people like yourself, I mean, I talked to Cindy Hale. She was part of the Dirty Dozen for the women recently. She was a black belt, and she's saying similar things such as yourself. And it's like, I think that's why I like it. It's just that, that challenge in overcoming in, uh, community. And also, if you start now, I feel like you just make it part of your life. Don't worry mm-hmm. too much. Oh, I gotta get, I gotta be a black belt world champion. No, just enjoy your journey. Enjoy your son, something that you guys have in common. Just be a part of a healthy, good life. And when you see five years past, you're getting better, man. And you improve and you're going up in ranks. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm. So... <laughs> You cannot obsess too much in terms of comparison. Whoever is better than you and who's not, you enjoy more your journey, you know, and then you know you, you just get better that way. Like I said, five years pass, you keep your little routine, you're you're going to the gym, whatever you can do, let's say a minimum of three times a week, but you do that for several years. You're gonna get mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I, I like that. Consistency is the main thing. Mm-hmm. You, you say consistency is the main thing? Yeah, consistency mm-hmm. is the main thing. I see people train every day of the week, do that for two years and disappear. Mm-hmm. But I see people that come three times a week and do that for 10 years. And they become really mm-hmm. good. Uh-huh. And whenever you decide it's time to pick up, you're not falling behind. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever starting something new, we have a tendency to go 100%, like, you know, to do as many classes as possible. And I no. just see... Just, be part, just yeah. make a part of your life. Make a part mm-hmm. of your life, part of a little routine, you know, and do that for, for long years, and then you see improvement. Mm-hmm. It well, takes time to get good. Uh, and I, I would say the funnest thing to do, man. So I'm not like, uh, unless you have somebody that is one of a thousand, like a coyote that get his black belt in three, four years, you know, which is not <laughs> mm-hmm. me, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the question that I would have is, like, is getting it at a quicker rate 
does that even change the amount of uh, excitement, right, and, that you experience within the time span? I mean, like, you, you know, if you're a black belt in three years or a black belt in 10 years or five years, however that works, like, it's still exciting. Yes, of course. It's uh, something amazing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, it must be lucky. Uh, one in a, in a thousand, probably. DJ Payne got his black belt like he really quick got hurt. And he was the first yeah. American world champion. Mm-hmm. So, Mar Mar you know? Yes. Do you have any closing thoughts that you'd like to add, Marcel? No, just uh, just like I told you before, just try to make this a part of your life. Enjoy the process. Don't rush it through things. And and then you you get good, you know, you get good. Be happy, just that you you healthy and you can train, and you can share jujitsu with your friends. <laughs> Which I think that's the funnest part, sharing it with others. Mhm. Mm um, like I think it's a blessing. Like your case, you have a kid and you doing something that you guys can connect. It, you know, have something in common. You're gonna he's gonna carry that for his whole life. You know him and his daddy, even if you guys don't get along in the future, just give you an example, you know, you're going to always have this little bond, you know, and I think that's mm -hmm. awesome. <laughs> and you're, I completely agree with you because there's something that I say is that, like, uh, people that I have that um, that are my friends, like, I've gotten closer to them and, than I do to family because... Uh, at least most of my family, because with most of my family, we just commune over dinner, which is, once again, very important to me. But uh, the way that I bond with these people through struggle and learning new things, it, it I, I never thought I could get that close to people before. Yes, it's awesome. So it is. I feel just a blessing, that blessed person, you know, and I try mm. my best. <laughs> it's evident, man. Is there anywhere that people can find you on social media? Do you got a website? You can go on my Instagram is uh, Marcelo Cohen BJJ, and uh, and I'm there. If you, somebody has any questions, I'm more than willing to answer. You can message me. You said you have a DVD out. Yeah, it's uh, the Kimura system, the Rusa okay. Weights Kimura system. It's all there. It's a great DVD. I put a lot of effort to it. It took a long time to make it. it took seven months, but Ooh. it's all there now, and uh, it's a great product. I hope you guys enjoy it. Absolutely, and I'll be sure to put it all in the show notes, and then I think I'm going to pick it up too, and I can't wait to check it out. Uh, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please rate, review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you happen to listen to it. Uh, if you'd like to cap your dome, you can go pick up a flat bill off the website, becominghumanpodcast.com. If you want to follow Marcelo on social media, I got the links in the show notes. And you can also check out his DVD, Rooster Weight, The Kimura System. Uh, and I'll drop that in the show notes as well. Have a great week, y'all.